Hey friends, this is Mario J. Radford. I'm the pastor of Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. I pray that it connects, leads, and maybe introduces you to a growing and life-changing relationship with Jesus. Now let's go into the message. If you can, real quickly, turn with me to uh, the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew, I'm not going to be before you very long this afternoon, but I believe that there is a word from the Lord. The Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter, pastor's been preaching from this series. It's the attitude for me. Today, we're going to continue in that. So if you can, turn real quickly with me to Matthew 5. And we find these words. It says in verse number 8, Bless are the pure at heart, for they shall see God. Before we go into our scripture today, I want to take you to where we are in our text. What we are seeing here is Jesus is coming off tour, if you will. Jesus has been going around. Jesus has been healing. Jesus has been delivering. Jesus has been setting free. And as we look at the scripture, if we continue to go back a little bit and look at the scripture, what we see is that there is this massive crowd following Jesus. When we look at the crowd, we see Galileans. We see people uh, from the Decapolis. We see people from Jerusalem. We see people from Judea. We see people from the other side of the Jordan. And there's this large crowd following Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus looks out and sees the crowd, and then all of a sudden he makes a decision. He makes a decision that he's going to depart from the crowd. He looks around, and he sees this multitude, and he decides that he's going to climb up a hill uh, that's found where he is. He's in northern Israel right now, and he climbs up a hill in the Chorazin Plateau in order to get away from the people, a hill called the Mount of Happiness. If you look at the word happiness and you look at the, uh, the hill that he went up to, it's found in the Hebrew, it's called uh, Har Hashar, the hill of happiness. Jesus goes up this hill, and as he goes up this hill, he finds himself a place to sit. The Bible says that the disciples come unto Jesus, and Jesus begins to teach the longest service, the longest sermon that he'll preach in the entire Bible. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it starts with the Beatitudes, and Jesus sits down, and his disciples come. Now, see, we don't know how many disciples are here, but what we know is by tracing the lineage, we see that there are at least four disciples there because it says uh, as Jesus, before Jesus went into his teaching moment, he called Peter, Simon Peter, and his brother Andrew. And not only did he call Simon Peter and Andrew, he also called the sons of Zebedee, James and John. He called them, and they followed him. So as we see this text, we see that Jesus is now sitting and Jesus opens up his mouth. And and I want to start from the beginning. I know I've already read verse eight, but he opens up his mouth and it says in verse number three, chapter five, verse number three, Jesus opens up his mouth and say, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And then we find ourselves in verse number eight. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
I absolutely love this text because it's a text with a promise. God promises us that if we live with a pure heart, we can have the ultimate prize. And that prize is seeing the face of God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through this Christian walk and live my life for Jesus and never see the face of the Father. He says if you live with a pure heart, you can walk and live and see God's very face. I don't know about you, but I get excited about that because that's all I want in this Christian walk. That's all I want in this life is to be able to see the face of the Father, the very one who sent his son Jesus to die for me, the very one who spoke and life began to happen. I want to see God's face. I don't know about you sitting at home and things may not seem right and things may not seem like they're going your way, but I tell you something. There's a promise in the word of God that if you live pure, you can see God's face. That's something right there that we can get excited about because God is an amazing God. If you look back over your life, God has been there with you. Even when you thought he wasn't, God was there with you. So if we look at this particular text, what we see here, we see that Jesus has says, bless who has a pure heart for they shall see God. But when we hear the word heart, immediately the first thing we go to is this mass in our chest. We think when we look at the scripture, we got to understand something. We cannot just read the scripture for what it says. We have to understand the scripture for what God is saying. God is not talking about this mass in your, your chest, this, this, the, the old folks call it your ticker. God is not talking about that. What God is talking about, he's talking about a word in the Greek called karday. And it means the center of your mind. He's talking about, he's talking about the center of your heart, your emotion. The word encompasses life, soul, mind, and spirit. So what Jesus is essentially saying in this moment, he says, blessed are the pure of mind, for they shall see God. God is now dealing through Jesus with our thinking. Because if we're real with ourselves, we can say that there are times where our thinking is jacked up. I don't know about you, but I've been there where, where it seems like, 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 like I, I believe God. And when things are good, I believe God. And when things are great, I believe that he is who he says he is. But there are times if we're real with ourselves, we begin to question the reality of God. Even John the Baptist, when he heard Jesus, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins. I'm not even worthy to unlatch his, I'm not even worthy to latch his sandals. But when John got in jail, John sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one or do we seek after another? Now, if John can get messed up, what makes us think that we can't? Even John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, the very one who announced his presence, even John got confused. Sometimes life will hit us so hard that we wonder, Jesus, are you real? I know you may have never been there, and I know you've been saved all your little life, and I know everything has been glory for you. You were born in the choir stand and saved in the church, in, uh, children's ministry, but that's not my testimony. My testimony is this. God had to work on me a little bit in order to get me to love him because I didn't understand who he was in the beginning. John the Baptist said, are you the one? Or should we seek after another? John the Baptist should have known who Jesus was. But yet he still questioned. Jesus says, if you have a pure heart, you'll see God. 
He wants to deal with our thinking. He wants to deal with our mind. He wants to deal with our center. God wants to bring us back to our core. He created us to love him. He didn't create us to question him. We, it's not about your shout. It's not about your buck. It's not about you saying yes or glory. It's do you believe he is who he says he is in your heart? For the Bible says in Romans, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, you are now saved. You cannot have a true salvation without first believing that God is who he says he is. Our relationship with God is built upon the way we think about him. God is not, as we say, as, as, we say, as your mama will tell you, he ain't one of your little friends. He's your God. He's your daddy. He's the authority. He's the one who, who has all complete authority in your life. That is who he is. He's daddy God. And understand this. If we're going to, if I could give you a text, if I can give you a title, it would be, it would be uh, uh, getting God's attention. A life that gets God's attention. Because our life can be a life, but, 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 but if we're not walking with God, is God really looking at our life? Because I've learned you can go through the motions and you look, can look anointed and you can look like you have power and you ain't got nothing at all. It's time to think. Think, do you really love God? Do you love God the way you say you do? Do you really love God the way that he loves us? If we're going to have a life that draws God's attention, point number one, if you're taking those, write this down, and I told you I'm going to be quick. And if you're going to have a life that walks after God, you must, one, have a season of self-evaluation. You see, you know you better than anybody else. See, you can fake out everybody else, but at the end of the day, when you lay down, you know who you are. You see, you can come, you can run, you can jump, you can lay out, the pastor can lay his hands on you, and you can fall out and they put a sheet over you. We can saturate you with oil like you a piece of chicken, baby, but you got to know who you are. You know what you believe. You know who God is in your life. You know you got to have a moment where you say, self, is this real to me? A moment of self-evaluation. We say stuff like this. God knows my heart to justify our sinful nature. We want to live in sin, but we also want God to justify what we're doing. But I'll tell you this. God is not into your mess. God is calling us to a higher level. When I was in church, when I was a child, we used to sing this song. It says, Zion is calling you to a higher place of praise. Zion is calling you to a greater place. Zion wants to call you. However, you got to be real with yourself. If you can't be real with yourself, how can you be real with Jesus? If you cannot be real with yourself, how can you stand before the face of God and say, God, judge me? You got to judge yourself first. We must acknowledge that there may be some things inside of my life that separates me from the fullness of God's glory over my life. Sometimes God wants to bless us, but we want to do us. And we can't figure out why things ain't working in my favor. Sometimes it's because you've allowed some things to come and separate you from God. There's a story, there's a story, there's a story that of this man. He had a house. 
and in the house, Jesus came and knocked on his door. The man looks out the peephole and he looks and he sees that it's Jesus and he gets all excited and he says, Jesus has now come to my house. But what he does is he opens the door, he shows Jesus the entire house. Jesus says, this house is nice, but, 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 but where can I stay? He takes Jesus, the man takes Jesus to the nicest room in the house, the biggest room in the house. It has all the nice amenities. It has the biggest TV. It has the best bed. It has the best refrigerator. It has all this stuff. And he puts Jesus in this room and he says, I've given Jesus my best. And what he does is he turns away and he closes the door. Then all of a sudden, there's another knock on the door. And the man looks out and it's Satan. And he says, I ain't worried about Satan because I got Jesus in my house. And he opens the door and he says, Satan, you can't do nothing to me. Satan says, why not? He says, because I got Jesus in my house. Matter of fact, I put him in my best room. And the, and the story says that Satan whooped the man's tail. And he left. The man was confused. He says, how can Jesus be in my house and Satan beat me up? So he says, you know what? Maybe it was a fluke. There comes another knock on the door. He looks out. It's Satan again. He says, you know what? Jesus is going to fight my battles this time. You know, this is how I fight my battles. Jesus is going to fight my battles. And he opens the door. He says, Satan, you may have got me the first time, but you won't get me again. I've got Jesus in my house. And Satan whoops his tail. The man stumps up the stairs. He bangs on the door. He says, Jesus, you're in my house. Why did Satan beat me? Jesus replied. He says, I may be in your house, but you locked me in this room. You never gave me your whole life. All you gave me was your room. You gave me the best part of your life, but you didn't give me the rooms that you didn't want me to see. Until you understand that God wants your whole life, you won't realize that you're compartmentalizing him. We cannot compartmentalize God and expect God to bless our whole lives. We cannot give God our Sunday morning, but not give him our Saturday night. We cannot give God our Sunday morning, but not give him our Friday night. You cannot be twerking and praising at the same time. God wants your whole life. He wants you to be a peculiar people. He wants you to be set aside. He wants you to be used for his holiness. This is what it means to have a pure heart. But you know, I want to have fun. I've learned something about God. God knows our desires. And God has a way. I made a post the other day on Facebook. I said, why do vegans want everything that tastes like meat? God knows your desires, and he will always give you an alternative to fill your needs. You don't have to go out into the world. You don't have to go out and be a sinful man. You don't have to go out and live, live a life of sin just to have enjoyment. There's joy in Jesus. You just got to let him have your life. I don't know about you, but I've had, I've had an amazing time since I gave the Lord my life. I have enjoyed life to the fullest because if he is God over everything, I have access to everything. When I was in the world, I thought I had fun at the club. But when I got saved, God showed me the whole world. You got to live a life that pleases him. 
Nobody knows you like you. We must address the sin nature of our thinking. God knows your heart, but you have to understand he wants to change your heart. In order to see God, I've got to live a life that pleases God. In order to see God, I've got to live a life that allows me to see his face. All to look upon his face. I want to see him like I've never seen him before. We've done the modern believer a disservice, church. What we've done is we've taught grace. We've molested grace to the point that we think that we can still live in sin and grace will cover us. But the Bible says in Romans 6, 1 and 4, 1 through 4, Paul says, shall we continue in sin that grace shall abound? Certainly not. We've, we've, we've literally taken grace and we've raped it for our own pleasure. Grace is, not, uh, grace is not a pass to live a sinful life. Grace is a covering when I fall into sin. Grace says that I'm going to pick you up when you don't deserve to be picked up. And I don't know about you, but I've been picked up out of a pit when I didn't deserve to be pulled out of the pit. And Jesus went down and took my place. On Calvary, Jesus said, I'll take your sins. And isn't it interesting to know that when Jesus went to Calvary, every time he taught, he said, Father, Father, Father. But when he took on the sins of the world and God turned his face from him, he said, my God, my God. When you have a pure heart, you realize he's the father. But when you operate in sin, you're okay with him just being God. But until we come into a relationship with him that shows us that he's more than just a God, but he's our father, then we can grow in the grace that he has for our life. Hopefully you're getting something on this. We have to realize that God wants a relationship with us. We don't have words in the church that I had growing up. You see, when I came into church, I'm 40, 40, how old am I? 42, maybe 43. I'm 42. My wife said 42. I don't know. I don't care. Age ain't nothing but a number. But look, I'm 42. And when I came into the body of Christ, I came into the body of Christ at about 12 years old. I got saved. And they used to say words like this. Holiness. Righteousness. Sanctification justification sometimes they say you can't do that you are wrong but these words we don't say in the church anymore we say God will forgive you and what we do is yes God will forgive you but we have to also realize that God wants to pull you out God doesn't want you to continue in sin. If you're going to have a, a life that draws God's attention, the next thing you have, point number two, is you've got to have a repentant heart. Repentance is acknowledging that we've missed the mark and turning and going in a whole different direction. I know we don't talk about repenting anymore. I know we talk about grace will cover you. Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. But you cannot have grace and mercy without Jesus. Repent is what Peter said when the church grew daily. 
He said, repent and be baptized. We as a church, if we're going to see God, we have to get back to a place that we repent of our sins. Sin ain't nothing but S-I-N, self-inflicted nonsense. Sin is simply stuff that we didn't got ourselves into that God never called us to. But when you change your thinking, when you change your mind, when you change what you think about grace, what you change what you think about mercy, and when you change what you think about your life, you begin to see God has you on his side. God wants you. He wants you more than anything. He didn't create you to go to sin. I, I keep thinking about the prodigal son. And the prodigal son, when he left the house, the Bible says the older son stayed, but the younger son, the more inexperienced son, he left the house. He got his blessing and he left the house. And it says, if you go through the story, it says that he went out and he partied like it was 1999. He burned up all his money and he connected himself to a citizen of a far country. And it never says who that citizen was, but his name was Satan. Why? Because he took him to a place he didn't belong. But it says... That when he thought about his father, when he changed his mind, his situation changed. And some of us are one decision away from our situation changing. Some of us, all we got to do is change our mind. The Bible says the prodigal son, he says, when he came to himself, he says, how many hard servants does my father have? My father has houses. My father has land. My father has riches. My father has resources. But yet I stay here and I suffer trying to fill myself with something that was never designed for me to fill myself with. And he says, comes up with a plan. He says, I'm going to go home. I'm going to be one of my father's servants. And the Bible says, when the father saw him from afar, it says that he celebrated. He ran after him. He put him on a robe. He gave him a ring. But the most important part of that story was that he gave him shoes. And the reason it's most important, because if you know anything about the Bible, slaves didn't have shoes. Shoes were reserved for that of those who had something. The son went from having something to slavery. And when he gave him shoes, he drew him back into the fold out of slavery. Shoes represents stability. And I believe that God is calling us to a place and God is calling us to a level where he wants to give us back our stability. God wants to give us back who he is in us. God wants to return to our churches. God wants to return to our homes. God wants to return to our schools. But what has to happen is the church has to change its mind about God. We come to Sunday service after Sunday service and we come and we walk and we watch and we have fun and we look and we shout and we raise our hands and we say preach pastor and we say do all this and we get in our car and we get high off the weed we ball on our way to church. God wants us to change our minds. We come, we hear the word, we come, we get fed, we come, we get prayed over, we come, and then we go back home to an un, unhealthy relationship with somebody we ain't even married to. But yet we say we love God. I love God. You don't love God? What's wrong with you? We want to be everything we want to be, and we want God to bless it. If you're going to have a life, 
that draws God's attention. Point number three is you have to have a life transformed. After you repent, you cannot repent and go back to your old ways. Because what happens is you're going to find yourself going back to those old ways. A drug addict who comes out of rehab cannot go into the same atmosphere because it won't be long before the drug addict is back on drugs. So this means that after I repent, I've got to change my circle. I've got to change who I listen to. I've got to change who I walk with. I've got to change where I find comfort in. I've got to change what I watch. I've got to change what I read. I've got to transform my life. The Bible says in Romans 12 and 2, it says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. When you renew your thinking, when you renew what you think and what you see and what you read and what you hear, all of a sudden your life will begin to line up behind it. You have power over your life through your tongue. You have to begin to speak the thing that God has said about you. You have to begin to walk the life that God has said about you. We have power. We have power. We have power. His name is Jesus. You want to know where power is? Call on the name of Jesus. God may not change your situation, but God will change you in the midst of the situation. God will change how you react to certain things. God will change the way you deal with certain things. It's not the situation that needs to change. It's you. Because if you change your thinking, you can walk away from things you thought you could never have. If you change your thinking, you'll realize that the one who's beating you is not the only one you can get. If you change your thinking, you'll realize the one that, is, that, that, that may be molesting your children is not the only one that you can get. If you change your thinking, you'll realize that the woman who only wants you for your stuff, brother, is not the only thing you can get. You got to change your thinking and allow God to lift you up and raise you up and transform you by the renewing of your mind. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, think on these things. We have to live a life that attracts God if we want to see God's face. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life and go to church every Sunday. And go and, and, and be here every week and, and go through the motions and get to the gates. And he says, depart from me for I didn't know you. That would, that would, that would, if, if I go to hell, I want to go on my own accord. I don't want to go because I got sent there. I don't want to have, uh, uh, I don't want to get so close to Jesus that I can feel him. And don't realize that I'll never see his face. How can I see him? All I got to do is change my mind. How can I see him? All I got to do is get in his word. I'll tell you something. If you get in God's word, your life will change. If you start reading his word and you start believing his word and you start testing him, uh, uh, trying him at his word, don't test him, but try him at his word. He'll show you a side of him that you've never seen before. There is peace in the word of God. There is peace when your mind has stayed on him. There is peace. They, they can tell you your job has ended, but you says, my God gave me this job. He'll give me another one. There's peace. 
We're living in a time where people are getting put out of their homes. Cars are getting repossessed. Uh, people are losing their lives. People are losing loved ones. But at the end of the day, there's peace in knowing that God is in control. Yeah, mama may not be there anymore, but there's peace in knowing that she lived her life, that she's walking with Jesus. Yeah, you may not have an income right now, but I'm going to tell you something. If you read your Bible, you'll realize there was a widow woman who was about to die, but she gave to the prophet, Elijah, she gave to him. And once she did, she never ran out through the whole family. God has a way of sending resources. I'm not a preacher who will preach money in your bank account, but there is a God who will send food when you didn't even ask for it. There is a God who will send resources when you didn't even ask for it. And I believe if we pull the poll, somebody will say he's been a keeper. When I couldn't keep myself, he's been a keeper. Change the way you think. If you're not saved, you never gave God your life. You never, you never, you've been in church so long, we think you saved. But you know you. You never truly gave God your life. If that's you, if that's, if I'm talking to you right now, right there in your house, sitting at your kitchen table, right there, right there in your house. Yes, you. If that's you, you're not saved. I want to introduce you to somebody. His name is Jesus. I may not have the resources you have, but he hasn't. I may not have the resources you need, but he's got them. His name is Jesus. And all you got to do is call him. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll say, you don't have to come. You don't have to be in this sanctuary in order to get saved. You get saved right there in your living room. You get saved right there in your bed. All you got to do is lift your hands and say, God, I believe. Come into my heart. And if you do that, God promises you you'll receive salvation. And we can celebrate because we know that there's somebody there who, who there's nobody around. Sometimes we're in church. Sometimes, sometimes it's right now, it may be a blessing that we're not all together in church because right now you're alone. And like I said, you know yourself and you can get saved and not worry about somebody thinking something of you. So if you're not saved, I ask you, give the Lord your heart. Give the Lord your mind right now in the name of Jesus, God, whoever it is that's there in their home. I don't know what they're dealing with. I don't know where they are. I don't know what they're with. They're fighting God. But right now, God, I pray that you send your Holy Spirit into their house. Arrest their house, God. God, I pray that your spirit falls so hard, God, that you saturate their house, God. God, I pray right now that not only do they get saved, but their spouse gets saved, God. Not only do they get saved, but their children get saved. You may say, I'm not married, but I'm speaking to your future. Right now, there are things that you won't have to deal with because you give the Lord your life. Hey, look, if you're there and you don't have a church home and you, you say, you know what? I've been watching this Grove Point Church and, and, and I'm at a point where I want to grow. If that's you, right now on your screen, you'll see a number. I believe that if you text that number, you can become a, a partner of this church. You can become, I, I don't necessarily believe in membership. I believe in partnership because we all got to work together. If that's you, you want to be, you want to join this church. You want to be a part of this church. If that's you, put, fill out that information right now. Text on your screen right now. There's a number on your screen that you can text and you can become a part of this ministry. Hey, look, if you want to sow, we pray right now, God. That everything that, that we do with, with the funds that you send, I believe that they are used in righteousness. So, hey, if you didn't sow before, I ask you right now, pray about a gift. 
Pray about a gift. I'm not going to tell you what to give, but pray about a gift. Let God lead you. Let Jesus lead you all the way. If that's you, you want to give, but you say, you know what? I don't have enough to give. If you all you got is a penny to give and you want to give it, I believe that God will take that and multiply it. But look, but look, if you got, if you got something else you can give and you're holding back on God, don't expect God to bless it. So, so right now, I pray that you give. I pray that you are there, that you are saved, and I pray that you have a church family. So right now, we thank you. We thank you so much for what you've done. So let me pray over you before we leave this place. Father God, I pray for every person who's watching this live stream. I pray for every household that's there. God, I pray right now, God, that you have said something or you've done something in this moment, God, to cause us to change our mind in order to see your face. This is the attitude that we want, God. This is the attitude that we need, God. This is the very thing that you want us to be, is everything that you've called us to be. So, God, right now, God, I pray for every family that's watching, that every person that's watching, every single that's watching, every teen that's watching, every child that's watching. I pray right now, God, that you put your spirit over them and you save them in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Grow Point, thank you. God bless you. Hopefully you got a word if you did. Throw something in the comment section. Let us know you got a word. Let us know if you got saved. Just let us know that you're here with us. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Hey, look, we're coming up. We're coming back home. If you're ready to come home, we're coming home. We're coming home on Easter Sunday, April 4th. That's my daughter's 10th birthday, double-digit birthday. But we're going to be in the house of the Lord worshiping. We are coming back. And I pray. I pray that you tear the house up. Amen. If you've been missing church, we pray that you come back and you worship with us. We pray that you praise with us. I pray that if you want to come and lay out in the carpet, we have a space for you. Pastor Mario will be preaching and we believe that God is going to do an amazing thing. So Grove Point, we love you and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. I want to take this time to thank you for your prayers, support, and generous giving that make this ministry possible. For more ways to connect, visit online at growthpointchurch.org. If you've enjoyed today's message, you can like, subscribe, share with your friends, or take a screenshot and share on your social stories and tag us at MyGrowthPoint. Until next time, keep growing.